I saw it. I, I was like, man, I'm going to hit this button. I'm going to nail this button. And it just it didn't want to take on. I mean, you nailed the button. It's just the wrong button. <laughs> True. Uh, we are back, everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, took a bit of a break because the playoff sucked and the national championship was garbage. Didn't deserve to happen. Uh, and it was a protest. That's the only reason that we took a break. Yep. We're not going to talk about it, it. It had nothing to do with our schedules or anything like nope. that. You know? Sure didn't. Nothing else happened of, of any importance at all. <laughs> it was just us being pissed. Um, yeah. So and by us, you mean you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot has happened in college football since then. Before we move on to the UFL season, I've been wanting to do a bit of a wrap-up show on some of the craziness that has happened in college football. Well, and I think it's good that we're doing it now because going on right now is the NFL Combine, which, of course, is going to kick off all of our draft coverage. But it doesn't make sense for us to keep going and talking about it while it's happening. Everybody else's. We'll take that in consideration before we start doing more of our draft coverage here. Yeah, and it's not like we're going to be doing you know, live coverage on Twitch while the Combine is happening. We're not that kind of a show. And we're not Yet. heavy – you know, breaking news kind of a show either. So I know we're coming to all this pretty late. That's okay. You're here for our takes on stuff, hopefully. Um, and if you want more of those takes, you can head over to our Discord where they happen a lot faster than waiting for a podcast to drop. It's scrolling that's, across the bottom. That's my plug. That's all you get. <laughs> Doug's not here to read us the links. So maybe that's all the plug you get the whole show. We'll see. He, he never reads the Discord link anyway. <laughs> He's terrified. That is true. That is true. So we had what felt like a, a legitimately insane amount of coaching changes this season. Um, 31 new head coaches at the FBS level and 29 new head coaches at the FCS level. That's wild. That's the most I've seen in quite some years. I well, and say. there were – there were a handful of surprise ones too. And I'll be honest, you know, one of the bigger ones, uh, Harbaugh going to the NFL again. Like I know everybody was talking about it, but I, I had massive doubts it would ever happen still. If there were a time for it to happen, it would be before those NCAA, you know, penalties drop. Pulled a, pulled a Pete Carroll on us. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Who to thunk? Oh, yeah. Holy shit, we have a hype train going right now? <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, they they brought in Sharon Moore to be the full-time real deal head coach now. I understand. Also, I want to speculate this may not have been their first choice, except Harbaugh drugged the process out so damn long. They kind of had no other option. He almost he almost did, you know, did him a disservice for being the guy and everybody loves him and then he goes and does something like that. I mean, kind of put him between a rock and a hard place. On the flip side, though, Sean Moore, he granted 
they played a bunch of nobodies, but he did lead them to three wins while Hallball was suspended at the beginning of the year. And I believe he coached in that Ohio State game, which I know you don't want to spend a ton of time talking about, but they won that one too. Yep. Yep. That was the discussion around Sharon Moore, right? Is that he's already answered all of your questions if you're coach if you're searching for the next head coach of the team up north. Can he win with the program? Well, he's done nothing but. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you beat Ohio State? Uh, yes, actually, he just did. So <laughs> it's unfortunate. What other what other questions do you really have if you want your next guy? And somebody who's built from the program. I mean, that's something that they look forward to. Yeah. So, been with them for a little while now. Who uh, was who was kind of your other surprise? I guess, you know, we can talk about it in terms of departures, but I guess hires also. Uh, who was who was probably your, your second biggest, I guess? I mean, do you want the obvious answer? Or do you want the... <laughs> I mean... You want the radar answer? Yes, both of them. Okay, well, the obvious answer is I don't know if anybody in the world had Nick Saban retiring this season. And you know, you know the scary thing. I almost forgot that Nick Saban retired. Like I just looked at the sheet and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's he's probably going to say Nick Saban." I yeah. I, what? Yeah, that's a, kind of a big one. So Kalen DeBoer just coached in a national championship game and left. This has got to be the first time in college football history that the two head coaches in the national championship the previous season are no longer at their schools. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Kalen DeBoer goes from a wild, successful, insane experience at Washington to Alabama, which he has no experience in the Deep South. How's that going to go? But also, you still have Nick Saban around the program. He's not going to leave you hanging too no. much. Understand. I am curious. I'm curious, though, what those uh, recruiting visits and meetings are going to be like because the Nick Saban factor drew a lot of kids into Alabama at the start of all of this, obviously kept bringing them yeah. around. If he's not there as a coach, how much is he still going to be able to help in that aspect? Yeah, and it's not only the head coach. I would say there is uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that a lot of fans don't really usually think too much about. So one of the major players in the Alabama recruiting game, their director of player personnel, their assistant director of player personnel, uh, has left for Ohio State, which I think is going to be interesting. We've already seen a couple of Ohio State players transfer to Ohio State. Is Ohio State set up to take over some of those recruiting battles? Is it now instead of a three-way race between Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, is it now just Georgia and Ohio State? Is Alabama not in that conversation this year? Maybe Kalen DeBoer needs to prove himself, I guess, is where we're at. If he keeps winning, all these all these questions go away very quickly. But how, you kind of need to win first. How wild is it that that's even that's even a consideration right now? What do you mean, Alabama? Like is maybe completely done here just because of a coaching change. Um, they suck before Nick Saban. <laughs> they may suck after. Oh, I know. I'm I'm aware. <laughs> I think the thing so, I'm most I'm most curious okay, about with Alabama is mm-hmm. 
you're right. They were bad without you say bad, but they really weren't that bad. They just weren't going undefeated, which for years has been what you had to do to make it into that national championship game to be at the top of college football. But now how much do you actually need to do that with the new playoff format, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun on that by any means, but how much do you really need to do that now? Is a two or three loss season going to be enough for an Alabama to still make it into the playoff? That depends on a lot of different things. And I want to save that for a bit because I want to talk about some other coaching changes. I will say, yes, it's very possible that Alabama is still just fine with two, three losses a year. But to be still fine with that, you have to start winning in the playoffs, which is a different animal. So as no as telling you'll be able to do that either. Right, right. Um, I do want to talk about some of the other, the aftershocks, I guess, of Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama then, because then Washington hires Arizona's coach, Jed Fish. Arizona hires the guy they were about to hire last time anyway, and Brent Brennan out of San Jose State. San Jose State then grabs Ken Niamasololo, who took a year off after being Navy's winningest head coach of all time. So that was my second answer for kind of a little bit under the radar, wild move. I did not expect Niamatololo to resurface, and if anywhere, not at San Jose State. Yeah, well, and I think the crazy thing about it too is – he just went from being the winningest, you know, coach at a triple option school. San Jose State's not going to want to run the triple option. He's going to like, no way. What, what are we doing here? That would be hilarious, though. Get two triple options in the Mountain West. <laughs> Let's go. <Right. laughs> Absolute insanity. Oh and I mean, gosh. shit, Air Force has been going away from the triple option a little bit. Right, right. I mean, so it was it's still it's still their so base offense. It's right, but I guess Neil Matalolo is like one of our last bastions of hope for the triple option. <laughs> for a keep, true triple keep option, the, <laughs> keep the dream alive. I uh, staying you know, in the Mountain West. I, I wonder if uh, Jeff Choate at Nevada is going to make a big difference. He kind of rebuilt Montana State when he was there and turn them into a perennial playoff contender again. And mm-hmm. then just recently was co-defensive coordinator for Texas, and we saw how successful that turnaround has been for Texas's defense. Maybe the Mountain West is bringing in some big-time hitters. It's possible the Mountain West is going to be competing for that group of five spot in the playoff pretty regularly. I, You know – I think the the two that stand out to me, you don't have either one of them highlighted in our list here. The state of New Mexico in general, I think, is going through a football renaissance here. New Mexico State under Jerry Kill completely turned around. Now Tony Sanchez has taken over. He's been working as the wide receivers coach for a year at a couple years. I can't read that. Mm -hmm. Too zoomed in. Two years. Uh, Two years. Yeah, he's been there for two years. He's worked with Jerry Kill in the past. He's going to be able to be a good fit sliding straight in there for a team that really lost, I mean, they lost their heart and soul, in my opinion. We'll see how it goes this year. I don't expect them to lose too much of a step. And then, in-state rival New Mexico, 
hires Bronco Mendenhall, who was very successful at Virginia and BYU, more so at BYU. Oh, That's where everybody BYU. knows him from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you've got you've got two surefire things at head coach between those two universities. Yeah, uh, man, New Mexico and New Mexico State are such a challenge just because of the recruiting limitations that you're guaranteed to have at both of those schools. Now, what Jerry Kill did is sensational in part because of how impossible it is. So to expect them to actually repeat a 10-win season is I don't. I don't think we'll don't see know. ten wins, but I do think they're. I think they're at the point where bowl eligibility should be their floor. I think that should be their baseline expectation. Man, I hope so. That'd be cool. I mean, they're still. I, they still I want got Vaya this year too, right? Like he's coming back. Uh, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, if you you got a guy like that, he's going to be able to continue keep that culture in the locker room up. I think they're going to be just fine. Staying with the Mountain West, though, a bunch of other changes. San Diego State brings in Sean Lewis, was the offensive coordinator for Colorado last year, uh, left the head coaching job at Kent State to get that offensive coordinator Colorado job. Wild move in the first place. Now he's back as a head coach with a better program. And Wyoming loses Craig Ball to retirement. Wish him the best. They bring in Jay Saville who has not been a head coach before, but was with Craig Bull at Wyoming um, and spent some time at Southern Illinois as their DB and special teams coach. So that's Wyoming kind of been upgrade the, for sure. That's been the bread and butter of SIU for a while too. Man, I, even Boise State though, promoting their interim head coach, he got them a Mountain West title only coaching for like four games. So <laughs> the Mountain West is just overall improved. Yes. I wonder <laughs> though, I wonder though if Boston College has made a mistake here hiring Bill O'Brien. Why do you think it's a mistake? I don't know that I trust him. Okay. Now, his struggles mainly have been at the NFL level. He's been just fine at the college level, but man. Well, you're not hiring him to be your general manager, and he's not going to trade your draft picks. He's not going to trade your DeAndre Hopkins, in part because Boston College doesn't have a DeAndre Hopkins. But also, <laughs> I mean, you have to think of it this way. What he's done in college is nothing short of fantastic everywhere he's been, I would say. You're looking at when he was the head coach of Penn State right after the Paterno ordeal. He basically rebounded, rebuilt the program from nothing and made them pretty successful immediately. Was able to turn that into a head coaching job in the NFL. Don't blame him at all. He goes back to college, gets his quarterback at Heisman Trophy at Alabama. Now, maybe Bryce Young could have done that with anybody. But Bill O'Brien was the one calling plays. So at some level, you do have to give him credit for that. Yeah. 
everywhere he's been in college has been a success. Yes, last year with the New England Patriots sucked ass. Is that his fault? I don't know. Also, everywhere he's been in college has been a success. Yeah. So he and got even as Ohio State's offensive coordinator for a couple of weeks and then gets the opportunity to be head coach at Boston College. I don't blame him at all. Do you know the story with that? Uh-uh. So his son has a serious medical issue and is being treated in the Boston area. And that's developed while he was with the New England Patriots. His son and wife were going to stay in New England while he went to go work at Ohio State. And then he got the opportunity to go to Boston College. He's like, I want to be home yeah. with my family. And got a pay raise and a head coaching job in the process. I, so, I will say, I will say, the only reason you can point at his Houston tenure as a failure is because for some fucking reason he decided that trading DeAndre Hopkins for a bunch of deflated footballs was a good idea. Well, you took your headphones off, but I said you're, he's not going to trade your DeAndre Hopkins here in part because Boston College doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. But <laughs> he's probably learned that lesson pretty well by this point, too. I hope so. <laughs> Fucking better have. But then to replace Bill O'Brien, Ohio State turns around and hires Chip Fucking Kelly as the offensive coordinator. Which, all right. To some extent, Chip Kelly was kind of being talked about as on the hot seat for UCLA, like they might actually want to move on from him anyway. Then he just resigns as the head coach at UCLA to become the offensive coordinator of Ohio State under former protege Ryan Day, working for the guy that he taught everything he knew. Um, I love this as an Ohio State fan actually very much looking forward to the run game that we're about to have with Chip Kelly calling the running offense and Travion Henderson and Quinion Judkins in the backfield that's going to be insane also Will Howard at quarterback really does fit a Ryan Day Chip Kelly offense so Ohio State's going to be incredible on offense again we knew this that's kind of what they do now I wish the defense would keep up a lot of the time. Last year was close. Uh, the offense decided not to show up last year. Unfortunate. Hopefully we get the offensive back and the defense does well. That's my Ohio State fan rant. It's over now. Moving on. UCLA then has to replace Chip Kelly. This is also very late in the process. So what we just started talking about with Sharon Moore and what Jim Harbaugh did, kind of leaving the team up north in a lurch, no real options at the end of the cycle. UCLA is on the same scenario then. So they bring in Deshaun Foster. I get it from a almost had no other option standpoint. But man, as a running backs coach, you're really you're really promoting Deshaun Foster. I understand he played in the NFL. That does not mean you're going to be a great college head coach um, and your experience as being a running backs coach. So let's – oof. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make a UCLA's hire. It feels like it was legitimately the only other option. But 
uh, we've we've seen other coaches leave late in the cycle. Bring somebody up from the FCS or something. Do something interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was. I guess if you want to keep the roster together, you you hire the guy that the roster stands behind, and at least make it a one year trial or something. But if this really doesn't work out, if this goes very poorly, you risk losing the guy you were kind of grooming for this position and he wasn't ready for in the first place. Uh, I think everybody can kind of see that, so maybe you're giving him a long leash anyway. But, man, learning on the job the first year your program's now in the Big Ten is kind of brutal. It's also wild to me that Chip Kelly would leave UCLA as the head coach and take an offensive coordinator position for right. Ohio State. He didn't I didn't talk want all to... about that. You just switched the camera off and turned around on me. Yeah. I it's just it <laughs> I, I get it. I get it to a degree, right? Like everything that went on yeah. last year, all you know, back and forth. I wouldn't want to stay either. Yeah. But it like I just that's such a wild move. Talking about the Big Ten, though, I am excited for Indiana bringing in Kurt Signetti, who did a fantastic job at JMU over the past several years, led them through that transition up from the FCS. And so JMU had an opening. They bring in Bob Chesney, who was the head coach at Holy Cross. I think that move was phenomenal. And I really thought that Matthew Slicka would then follow him to JMU. That did not happen. And uh, we're looking at a potential Matthew Sluka start at UNLV, (laughs) which would be insane. Um, But I love the Bob Chesney move to JMU. What, What it means for Holy Cross, though, is another story. But let's stick on. What do you think about where JMU's at? I think they're in a great position this early in being in the FBS. I am curious what this season is going to bring for them, though, because, man, it, to to be making a change this soon after coming up, after you perform so well, it's it's kind of a powder keg. It's either going to work really, really well, or it's going to fizzle out, and you might never be able to get it set off again. True. True. I kind of don't see that happening, though, right? Like, Bob Chesney, to me, is more likely to work than not. Just because of how well he's done at Holy Cross. I mean, what, he's been head coach at Holy Cross uh, six Seasons-ish, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six seasons. He's won the Patriot League five of those seasons. That's bad. Um, And the one he didn't win, he tied for second. So I would say you have a pretty solid coaching staff there. Uh, this does mean the Holy Cross had an opening, of course. They turn around and pull the head coach of Merrimack, Dan Curran, over uh who led the transition of merrimack from d2 to fcs so actually pretty interesting move for holy cross i like what dan curran was able to do with merrimack 
not necessarily the level of success that Holy Cross has had over the past few years. If you want somebody who knows how to really build a program and build support, though, probably the right kind of a move. Yeah. Great input. Appreciate it. I, I don't I don't have a ton <laughs> to add there. I'm sorry. I, I just I don't. Major Applewhite's a head coach again, though. There's a name I recognize really well. Motherfucker. Remember when he was the head coach at Houston? Yeah, and like, he said a little bit, and he told Derek King, "Hey, we're gonna redshirt you because we started off so poorly." And Derek King said, "Cool, I'll go to Miami next year." Fuck you. Right. That was awesome. Fucking loser. I fucking hate <laughs> South Alabama. I for no reason. I just don't like South Alabama. So I hope he fails there too. Oh wow! All right. I feel they bad. I, I feel bad that I don't have a reason to dislike South Alabama. I just don't. I don't know why. They lost their head coach to be the defensive coordinator to Alabama. <laughs> and then you just come in with the heat. And they had to get Major Applewhite. How down bad you have to be to hire Major Applewhite right now. At this point, right. <laughs> down the FCS, I do want to hit on a couple more because I think there are some really interesting moves, especially with Trey Lamb leaving Gardner-Webb for Eastern for East Tennessee State. Like, this one shocked me. Yeah. Why would you leave Gardner-Webb where you just built this program into a seemingly now perennial powerhouse in your conference? Two playoff appearances, one playoff win the past two seasons with Gardner-Webb. Built them from not doing very well to two straight playoff appearances. Incredible. Now to East Tennessee State. <laughs> where the Buccaneers really have had one good season over the past decade. Like, I guess maybe you're walking into a better funded program. Maybe. But, like, I thought that was the point of playing so many FBS games at Gardner Webb so that you could build up that money. Right. So, are you just going to start doing that ETSU? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't understand the logic there whatsoever. Um, but then Gardner Webb turns around and actually does something pretty baller. They pull the coach from Tiffin, which is a D2 school in Ohio, uh, including 11 and 1 last year. He was 40 and 11 overall with Tiffin all over the state of Ohio, Ohio Dominican. Uh, in multiple multiple different spots and positions, Ball State, uh, Tiffin, and then also a year at Elon. So a very experienced guy all over multiple levels of college football. And really, I think that was kind of a baller move. We're going to one of the most successful D2 guys up. I, you know, I... There's a couple other ones here. Moorhead State hiring Jason Woodman, D2 guy, pretty successful at Fairmount. But I'm curious because look at Holy Cross hiring Dan Curran, mm -hmm. who led Merrimack's transition from D2 to the FCS. Look at Tennessee Tech hiring Bobby Wilder, who transitioned Old Dominion from the FCS to Conference USA. 
I, I maybe I'm looking too much into this, but do these schools have something in mind of maybe making that jump here in the near future? Holy Cross maybe would make sense. They make way more sense to me than Tennessee Tech, who I forget fucking right. exists a lot of the time. But could you see any of these teams that have recently had coaching changes potentially making that move up? I actually had that, a similar thought to that when I saw that Dan Current was over that transition of Merrimack. Maybe Holy Cross is considering that as an option. Right. There is 0% chance Tennessee Tech does that. Like, literally, legitimately 0% chance Tennessee well, Tech is anywhere close to looking at considering moving up. And, and that's, maybe, that's, that's I, one. What? That's why I'm what sitting here like maybe I'm looking too much into it. What that move signals to me is that they're legitimately investing in their program for the first time in a long time. That's like all this move is. We're going to bring in a guy. He's had a couple of years off from football even. We just want an experienced, established guy who knows the game and can actually has proven he knows how to lead a program because we haven't had that in a bit. He hasn't been a coach since 2019. So – yeah, I think Bobby Waller is a great coach. And obviously what he was able to do with Old Dominion is pretty impressive. But he's been out of the game since before NIL existed, right? <laughs> so there are a lot of things he's going to have to consider now. The portal didn't exist, right? There are considerations now that might have passed him by. This just feels like a – this is your – signal to any Tennessee Tech fans out there if they exist that we're we're trying to spend money on the program we're trying to turn this into a respectable establishment that is there's 0% chance they're looking to move up no way no way is Tennessee fucking tech no i'm not the first one to say this I'll go ahead and repeat it. The next couple of programs who would be potentially on the list of teams moving up to the FBS, Missouri State, Tarleton State. They're the two with the biggest investments in the sport of football right now, which is where your realignment is really happening, is all around football. So I could see either one of them moving up before even Holy Cross, and Holy Cross at least has some success to justify it. <laughs> Tennessee Tech does not. <laughs> it would really be a shame to see Missouri State leave, though. Like lose a, sure. lose a uh, Missouri Valley team. Yeah, I get that. But also it might be a good sign for your North Dakota State, South Dakota State, like the the thought has been there's no way they're making that move unless there are compatriots, like travel partners in a sense, or even the leagues that might think to add an NDSU don't want to add them because there's a, a competitive like disadvantage. NDSU is too good at the FCS level. Why would you bring in the nine-time, 11-time FCS champs to just run the MAC for a couple of years? Kind of doesn't make sense. But if you're able to bring up a Missouri State, 
a, an Illinois state, uh, maybe the North Dakota, South Dakota schools can be next then and it not be as tough of a, of a pill to swallow. I, man, I'm just, I'm curious when all the dust is going to settle and we're going to be, we're going to be something like somewhat stable for a little bit. I'll be right back. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is the fifth time he's left me all my lonesome. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I guess I'll wrap up with a couple of coaching changes that I found interesting. Uh, Mike Jacobs taking over at Mercer. Love that. Former long snapper at Ohio State. So I wasn't going to talk about it anymore, but I had to. Uh, 32 and 9 at Lenore Ryan at 42 and 8 at Notre Dame of Ohio the past few seasons. Excited for Mercer. Hopefully, Mike Jacobs can carry on his success there. And then Mickey Joseph. A name you may recall from his time as interim head coach at Nebraska. Uh, Mickey Joseph has resurfaced as the new head coach, Grambling State. Has spent a lot of time with uh, HBCUs before his time at LSU and at Nebraska. Uh, A lot of people rooting for him to become the full-time head coach at Nebraska. But, nope, he's at Grambling State now. So, I actually love that for Grambling State. Was never a huge fan of the Hugh Jackson experiment. Mickey Joseph feels a lot more like a real college coach. I don't I don't and, think Grambling State was a huge fan of the Hugh Jackson experiment. Clearly, because they let him go. I, uh, too long. <laughs> I apologize for that one. My wife likes to go places without her house key. Nice. So... That's, that's like the fourth or fifth time you've left. You don't have to apologize anymore. Just is what I, it is at this point. I'm like only kind of <laughs> sorry for the other ones. Like that one I am sorry for. That one that one was avoidable. Oh man. So that's that's a ton of coaching changes to talk about. We spent like half an hour on them. It's there were a lot. There were a lot more that we didn't even touch on. Yeah. Just yeah. Every team is different now. <laughs> and, and you know the other thing we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about any coordinator changes. This was right. just had coaching changes, unless, of course, there was some overlap, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I really want your opinion on this, though. Yeah. yeah really, that was that's the, that's the one, right? Uh, I want your opinion on this uh, right. because it's, it's a topic conversation that came up. And, it, again – as far as college football has been concerned, I've been tuned into like a handful of things. And one of those things, of course, is Memphis Tigers football. Running back coach Sean Dawkins left Memphis, took the same position at Cincinnati. The day before he left, he retweeted a Memphis football tweet. with It was, you know, I think the tweet said, nobody cares, work harder. Had the all-in hashtag, which is Memphis' slogan going into the season. He, he had to know he was leaving. Like, the announcement was made the next morning that he was leaving Memphis. What are your thoughts on not not necessarily just Sean Dawkins, but any coach doing this? Like, the night before they leave, they're still pumping up the program that they are currently with in that moment, even if they're out the door. You've got to do the job until you're not doing the job anymore. But he's just the running backs coach, too. Things can change very quickly in any job market, let alone coaching. True. So if 
if you're assuming that you have the position, you already have a even if, even if you already have a contract signed, hold off on that until it's real, <laughs> because anything can fucking happen. Look at look at the whole Greg Schiano situation with Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Look at Lane Kiffin with 14 different schools at, at various points in time. <laughs> And I know those are head coaches, not running back coaches. The thought applies. It's still there. You, yeah. You can't take anything for granted in any job market, especially not coaching. And and for the record, I love the move. Like I, I love that he's still that invested, invested until the very yeah. end. And he's put a lot of work into that program. Now I don't, I don't know exactly how long he's been there. I don't know how much of a hand he might have had in Gainwell, Gibson, you know, go on down the list. But there's another good core running backs at the University of Memphis right now that he has had a big hand in, and they're going to be doing – they have to go into next season without him. I'm curious what the running back room is going to look like in, in this particular instance. But there are some fans that are like, I can't believe he was still doing this, and then he just leaves, blah, blah, blah. Memphis, Memphis fans just have battered fan syndrome, and it's, it's kind of sad. I was trying to find his coaching experience, but I only thing on Wikipedia about him is his playing experience. He was a wide receiver for yeah. a while. But uh, anyway, moving on from that, this yeah. season of college football is going to look very different, and it's not just going to be new coaches and new places. There's a lot of conference realignment. The playoffs are going to look completely different. And we're getting our first taste of that. I know the American Athletic Conference dropped all their schedules today. I'm unsure if anybody else, any other conferences have dropped their schedules yet. Well, depends on what you mean by conference. Because <laughs> Washington State and Oregon State dropped their their schedules. Which, what, uh, what conference are they officially a part of? Are they calling it the Pac-12 still? They are officially the Pac-12. The two okay, so there's the two the, the name the name stands for the time being. They have a scheduling agreement with the Mountain West for a certain number of games. Ooh man. That's brutal. And uh yeah. You know what I think would be cool is if they did a home and home with each other. There, there's never gonna be another opportunity for this in the history of college football. Do it now. I don't know how that is technically possible. I think that is against NCAA rules. Of course it is. I, I actually... All right, so this is stupid. This is really dumb. This is technically possible. Hear me out. This is convoluted, too. If both Washington State and Oregon State were to play each other and also have games at Hawaii. You would be eligible for a 13th game. <laughs> and you can schedule that at any time before bowl season. So technically it can count as a regular season game and you can schedule it after the fact. You can kind of do a semi-Tupac championship Please where you play each other again. <laughs> I would love nothing more. Unfortunately, it's not possible this season. Because they're not both playing That exact scenario. 
because Oregon State's not playing Hawaii at all, and Washington State has Hawaii at home. Damn. They need to they need to rectify that situation immediately. That is the dumbest idea I've ever had. I love and it. Also, it is possible. I love it. Um, yeah, so the Big Ten officially for this 2024 season will have Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC. Fucking SEC has Texas and Oklahoma now. I I love yeah. how ass-hurt all the Texas fans are and how much they think they're just going to start running roughshod over the SEC year one. Yeah. And the scary thing is they fucking might. That would kind of be great and kind of be awful at the same time. I, you know, I Texas fans are annoying, but I haven't. We haven't gotten to experience really annoying Texas fans in so long. Like I, I really didn't. I know, but it would be the same level as if. I mean, that's like asking for the Cowboys to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. That's like asking for the the fucking. Yankees to beat anybody in the World Series. Like you're just begging for the most bandwagoniest franchises of all time. I to Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I can't handle it. I don't think I can physically survive that. Just get physically ill thinking about it. What uh, conference USA this year is going to include Kennesaw State? That's the thing, too. Yep. And Besides the Mac that. adding UMass? Not this year. UMass is joining them in 2025. But that does leave two and only two FBS independent schools. And there will be no more, according to current NCAA rules, because to go up to the FBS level, you have to have been invited by a conference now. So even Delaware coming up next year is going straight into Conference USA. No stop in the independence. Uh, But also, looking ahead to 2025, that would put the MAC at 13 different schools, which is even more strange considering they just went to a pod structure I think they're the only conference who actually went with the pod structure. And they had like four three-team pods and then just added an extra team on top of that somehow. So I would expect all of that to be completely reworked for 2025 and also probably going to have to bring in some other team to get them to an even number. Now, yeah, but 14 isn't divisible by four. It's not divisible by four, but it's divisible by more things than 13 is divisible by. Yeah, considering 13 is a prime number. Yes. (laughs) So I am technically correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it would be really cool if they went up to like 16. But I don't know that you're really adding... They're gonna they're gonna add Notre Dame. Right they're the only conference that's gonna have space to add Notre Dame. Florida State, Notre Dame to the back. <laughs> and Missouri State. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 
No, actually, so what I've what I've seen is that the Mac is actually still in talks with Western Kentucky, which would be incredible. I love that for Western Kentucky, if that were to happen. Also, getting the on-brand rivalry of Bowling Green against WKU in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I would love that very much. I think everybody at both schools would love that. And I'm surprised it hasn't kind of become a thing already. So that was a conversation before. There was, if you'll remember, there was discussion about both WKU and MTSU joining the MAC at one point. I think MTSU was the hangup for a couple of reasons. It appears the MAC and WKU have a lot more mutual interest in each other. I kind of dislike the thought of leaving behind your great regional rivalry with MTSU, though. That does feel kind of brutal. But the MAC's such a wild and fun conference. I just. It'd be a perfect fit for WKU in my mind. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Come on. <laughs> if it's not WKU though, where else do you really go? I guess that's when you start to bring up: Is the MAC a landing place for Missouri State, Illinois State? Uh, doesn't really feel like it. It could be, though. Would UConn be interested? Is, I, is UConn staying FBS? Yeah. Because I thought their original plan was for them to go to the FCS. There was a thought of that. I haven't heard anything else about it. And as far as I can tell, that died, that conversation. Um. think with them that conversation really felt like it started when they left the American but they left the American because they didn't want to have to join the American in every sport so with them being independent in football they gave them some flexibility there I don't know I am I don't know what the answer is I think I'm most curious about what FSU and Notre Dame are actually going to do and what the after effects of FSU leaving the ACC is going to be. I know we spent a lot of time talking about that. Everybody loves Maction, but let's be real. (laughs) Everything that happened with FSU before Christmas, before the national championship, before the playoffs, any of it, uh, it feels like that's probably, you know, we're probably burying the, the lead here a little bit when talking about conference realignment. Yeah, kind of, but also feels like FSU was burying the lead for so long. I don't feel too bad about it. So <laughs> all this happened in December and all that in January. Apparently, they've been building this case against the ACC for like two years. Yeah. So it didn't even, there was a coincidence of timing that FSU happened to go undefeated and get snubbed in the playoffs, and then they drop this. Like, that was not the plan at all. They've been building this case against the ACC for years. And uh, it really comes down to some 
what seems to me to be logical arguments against the way the ACC has been running the conference and the way they've been handling the ESPN TV contracts. And FSU is saying that we haven't been included in part of that. ACC has been kind of our fiduciary and our, you know, our, our lawyer, in fact, in a lot of these cases and then not actually giving us the information that we need to actually get on board with this. Uh, we've, we signed up for the ACC with the understanding that you'd be acting in our best interest. And then when we ask you for details about what you did in our best quote unquote best interest, you say, no, that's under lock and key. You're not allowed to see it. So <laughs> there's some Florida specific laws that are really helping FSU in this case. And it seems like the ACC is going to have a hard time fighting against this. And to the point where the ACC filed some countersuits against FSU, it's a whole ordeal. It looks like this is going to get settled out of court eventually. And FSU is going to part ways with the ACC. That appears to be the logical conclusion of this. Well, and, you know, there's, of course, Notre Dame has been tied closely with the ACC. You know, other sports, they're playing in the ACC. Obviously, hockey's not sponsored by the ACC. Uh, but yeah. hockey's sponsored by the Big Ten. They've got connections there. As far as football goes, it would make more sense for them to go there. I, it's just uh, Notre Dame's going to remain a question mark until they are forced forced to join a conference, which I think is coming a lot sooner than people want to admit. And you've got Miami on here also. I don't I don't see Miami wanting to stay in the ACC when Florida's in the SEC and FSU goes wherever they go. So a couple of points there. I want to go back to Notre Dame a second. With the new TV contract that the Big Ten has, Notre Dame was listed explicitly as a as they were the only school that's not in the Big Ten currently who was named in the contract. And they were named because should Notre Dame want to join, they'll receive a full payout. Fox will increase the money on that contract to a level where they can pay Notre Dame the same money that everybody else is getting. Right. That's the only school who's able to do that, like technically, officially in the contract already. Why would they go through that process? Why They're would that doing. be part of the litigation and the adjudication and all this, whatever legal jargon bullshit I'm, I'm spitting out? <laughs> Why would it be part of that process unless there were conversations around Notre Dame? And yeah. over the past couple of weeks, it's been heating up even more. It seems like Notre Dame to the Big Ten is a legitimate possibility. If they join, it would probably be alongside an FSU or someone else who leaves the ACC at the same time, right? And so there are a couple options for that. If it's not FSU, it may be Miami. It may be one of the Virginias, right? It may be North Carolina. All of those schools are potential depending on a couple of different, a couple of different things. Um, so right now it looks like North Carolina would much prefer being in the SEC and 
don't get it twisted. I know they're not a huge football powerhouse. They are in basketball, and they're good enough in football. They will get full media money if they go somewhere. Mm-hmm. They do have some clout in the athletic world. So I kind of feel right now, should the ACC kind of blow up following this FSU deal, we'll get some school in Florida joining the Big Ten, whether that's FSU or Miami, or both, probably one, not the other. Then probably Notre Dame goes ahead and joins the Big Ten. Maybe, potentially, you have a one of the Virginia schools possibly in the Big Ten. If either of them, the Big Ten would prefer West uh, UVA. Virginia Tech is not as good academically, even though it probably fits more culturally alongside Rutgers and Maryland. Um, I'm I'm iffy on that personally, but yeah. anyway, this the other schools, the other big name schools in the ACC, to me feel a lot more like SEC fits, and would I, I don't think that's really that controversial either. Like North Carolina themselves feels much more like an SEC fit than a Big Ten fit. Um, also, when you're looking at the ACC structure, the way it's built, their headquarters is in North Carolina, right? The ACC is kind of built around North Carolina as a brand in a big way that people sometimes don't realize mm-hmm. just how much power North Carolina has. I would think that if FSU leaves, the next domino to fall, if we were to see the ACC fall apart, would kind of have to be North Carolina going ahead and making the move. Yeah, Miami following FSU out, I don't think collapses the ACC. If North Carolina leaves, that's the end of the ACC. Yeah. So, I don't know. There, there's a lot of different scenarios with this. Depending on who leaves when, that will change what, what spots are open where in the Big Ten or the SEC, the other schools may rebuild, stay as the ACC. There may be some additions to the Big 12, and we have a, a three-conference cross-country experience. <laughs> here's I don't know. Here's the biggest thing, though. With the new playoff structure... Notre Dame is kind of left on the outside looking in. It's going to be much more difficult for them to get in. And two, the Big 12 somehow survived and came out fairly strong on the backside of this conference realignment when we thought that they were dead and doomed and it ended up being the Pac-12 that was dead and doomed. But at the same time, they're tied in a lot with the ACC in this new structure. And maybe maybe they're not as strong off as we we might have thought they were. So I will say the current, the way the playoff is built right now, the 12-team playoff now, which is also new for 2024, um, the 12-team playoff now is actually not harder for Notre Dame to get into. 
it's very easy for Notre Dame to get into. All that happens for Notre Dame is with them not being in a conference, they're not eligible for a first-round bye, yeah. which, okay. I don't know how often Notre Dame's ranked in the top four anyway. So <laughs> the Fair. fact that they're getting Let, in is, let's go over, is fine for them. Let's go over the structure real quick, though. Top five sure. conference champs. So yep. you're going to have your SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12 for sure. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have one group of five because the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. Yep. Easy way for a group of five team to get in. That's five teams. Your next seven are going to be your next seven highest-rated teams in the country, which mm-hmm. more than likely is going to be two from the SEC and Big Ten, two from the ACC, and or one from the ACC, one from the Big 12. Maybe. It might end up being more than that from the SEC and Big Ten. Yeah. Right? So – who knows? I just um, i I think two years ago, I don't know what it was. It, two years ago was really the first time I was legitimately fairly happy with the way the rankings shook out. And I don't know if it was a little bit of a COVID hangover, and they're like, "Oh, well, look, they've got all these players that are in their fifth and sixth year because I, they got that extra eligibility." But it, it seemed like this year really went hard right back to. You're in a Power Five conference, or you're in the 20s, maybe. And I I don't yeah. know what the the reasoning behind that was. I mean, Tulane, I think they had one loss this year, maybe two losses. They were still an excellent team this year. SMU was an excellent team this year, and just not getting the respect that they deserved all season. And that's just that was just in the American. There were other good teams across other conferences. JMU was undefeated until the very last week of the season. Yeah, but they were ineligible for the postseason, so it kind of didn't matter anyway. Yeah, that's that's a whole <laughs> other conversation, but I, yes, I know what you're saying. The way to avoid that in the future is for a group of five team to start winning playoff games. And now they'll actually have the opportunity. Not easy, but it's straightforward. It's pretty simple. Kobe, so, we are we are getting there. You jumped down <laughs> a little bit. Let us finish up talking about the playoffs, and we're going to talk some some EA College Football twenty five. Don't you worry. Eventually, give me give me more minutes to nerd out about legitimate college football shit. <laughs> uh, so, where was I? Um, yeah, it's it's there is a group of five team going to be in the playoff at least one. It doesn't matter where they are ranked. There will be the, the way the committee will do this. They'll rank as far down as they have to in order to rank at least one group of five team and then pull that highest ranked group of five champion into the playoffs. So, yes, it will be difficult for a group of five team to win any games in this structure, because the vast majority of the time you're going to be the 12 seed playing at the five seed. But um, yeah, you just have to start winning games if you want to get that respect. So the top four seeds will get first round buys, which will be the top four highest ranked conference champions, not the highest four ranked teams in the playoff. So the vast majority of seasons under this current structure, we will see the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, and Big 12 champions 
getting a first round buy. I, yeah, I am curious if we'll ever see that trend booked. And I'm curious if we'll see multiple group of five teams get in. I'm, I'm looking for a graphic here. I think I, I feel like I remember seeing one not horribly long ago about how many teams in the 12 team playoff over the past 10 years. So the first 10 years of the college football playoff, how many teams would have made it and how many times based on, you know, based on yeah. those criteria. And I ran that experiment myself just based off of the way the college football playoff rankings shaped out over the past since 2014. Ohio State would have made it every season. Well, they already did, except for one. Well, not really in the 14 playoff. We missed a couple of years. I thought you only missed this year. No, we missed more than that. Oh. Um, but. Yeah, Ohio State would have made it every season in a 12-team playoff. Alabama would have missed one year. But they were, like, number 14 that year at the end. But let's be real. If if this comes down to a playoff committee ranking and they uh, come down to if, it's, if it should be fucking, I don't know, Michigan State at 11 or Alabama at 11, to get them in the last spot in the playoffs, they're putting Alabama up there. This is the way that's going to work. So we'll see. It allows it allows uh, the committee to be a little bit more fucky with some shit as we get further down the list and yeah. get more and more teams. So we have the twelve team playoff for now, but there's talk of that expanding again. To potentially 14 or 16. And the current proposed structure that's been leaked is a 14-team playoff with multiple auto bids per conference, which already sounds awful to me. (laughs) If you're going to have more than just your conference champion get an automatic bid to the fucking playoffs then you've already created NFL light and you've completely devalued the point of having a conference championship game in the first place. If a team who was not even in the conference championship game automatically is guaranteed a spot in the playoffs, who gives a shit about the conference championship games? So if that were to happen, I just say, Let's go ahead and rip the fucking Band-Aid off and get the SEC and Big Ten into their own division and everybody else gets a playoff other than that. Because that's the way it feels like it's trending anyway. That's where all the money's going. So let's get Notre Dame, FSU into the Big Ten, whatever the hell needs to happen, and just break them off and make your NFL light and then let the rest of college football exist as its own entity. That, I feel like that would be way more fun for all of us anyway. All right. I, I do. And I mean, it, I don't I don't want to come back to it, but it, it feels like the natural place to be. Maybe we need three divisions of Division One college football. Maybe that's just where we're at. Because you're right. Multiple automatic bids to the college football playoff. More than two is ridiculous. I, I can get behind two going 
like your conference champ and your conference uh, runner-up, I can get behind those two teams going to the playoff. I really can't. Especially if your champion, the winner of the championship game, gets the bye, yeah. and the loser has to prove themselves against that large again. Yeah. And that, that kind of makes sense to me. I can I can get behind that. I, I just I, – honestly, being completely honest here, if they found a way to give automatic bids to every conference champion to include all the group of five teams – Maybe the only way they can do that is with 16, 16 teams. I I support it. And look, I get it. You're probably not going to see the MAC champion win a game against number two or three out of the SEC. It will happen. It will be UMass. But it, <laughs> to your point, though, it will happen eventually. It's not it's not a guarantee every year that they're just going right. to get steamrolled. It will happen. So – I would love to get to that point. I would love it to be closer to what the FCS has to a real college football champion as opposed to, hey, we know we're going to make the most money on ESPN having these games. Finding the real best team in the country, I think, needs to be the priority. And, yeah, it's a little NFL light. Yeah, maybe it's too many teams and probably going to see a lot of blowouts, but we see a lot of blowouts in the college football playoff right now anyway. So what difference does it make? I just want to say it won't happen until Purdue is the number one seed <laughs> to lose the 16th seed. <laughs> All right, we're good. So a lot of speculation, a lot of weird shit going on with realignment and with the playoffs. What we know for now, the conferences are what they are. And the scheduling has mostly come out already. And the playoffs are a 12-team playoff structure five auto bids and seven at-larges for 2024. Weird. That's fine. That's what we have. <laughs> if you're in, if you're like all me. Of that, all of that is in EA College Football 25. You're going to get a chance to take your, <laughs> your group of five teams to the College Football National Championship in EA College yes. Football 25. No FCS. And I, I'm curious. There were varying levels in NCAA 2010 through 14 of how deep mm-hmm. into the FCS they went. I'm curious if they're ever going to go back to it with the current compensation of $600 plus a copy of the game for all players that agree to be in the game. I don't know how much lateral room and, and, and funds really EA is going to have to be able to give this to all the FCS schools as well. But if the game takes off this year, Maybe next year. What are what? What's your thought on that? Do you think it's a possibility? I think it would take a lot more than one year, right? To get to where we've gotten with all 134 FBS schools has taken mm-hmm. long enough. I well, would say the goal for next year should be to add coaches because IRL coaches aren't going to be in 25. Yeah, and if we can dedicate a couple of years to actually legitimately building FCS stadiums traditions, the way they've been working on FBS stadiums traditions, I would be hundred percent on board with that. How much value does that actually add to most people's experience with the game? I'm not sure. Yeah. And it's very possible EA doesn't see the value added, which see, is unfortunate. You say that, 
But if they think they can double their market, and I mean really double, their, there's I, I think there's a reasonable number of people that are that are primarily FCS fans that will buy this game because it's a new one coming out, and they might not buy college football again until 2018 or 2028 rather. They might they might buy 25 and be like, you know what, I'm good for two three years. I'll buy it again. But if they add FCS teams, they'll be all over it. They're willing. Uh, EA runs a lot of how they drop content with NHL based on how big their European player base is. I think they're willing to cater to that audience, especially when it's just going to be more dollars in their pocket at the end of the day. I agree. If there's money involved in it for them, they'll do it. I just don't trust that there's enough money in that specifically. And and I hate that this conversation was inevitably going to come here that I, I don't trust EA either for what it's worth. Right. But that's that's where it starts and ends is how much do you really trust EA Sports to do this right? <laughs> I am terrified that it's going to be yeah. a reskin of Madden. And there are people like, oh, everybody that's been doing, you know, working on college football revamp, they've been involved with this. Awesome. That doesn't change shit for me. I don't trust right. EA Sports at this point. So I will say one benefit we know for sure, literally no one who has ever worked on a Madden title is allowed to work on this game. EA has made those teams extremely separate and has told them to compete as hard as possible. And they're like, beat Madden. This, I love that. This might be what saves Madden too, honestly. Right. This might be what saves Madden. It could be. Also, at the same time, we know for sure this game is going to be on the Frostbite engine. So most here's, likely you're going to have the same exact gameplay. <laughs> here's the bigger issue. Are they going to make it for PS4 and Xbox One still? I don't think so. Then that changes everything. Because if you go back, if you look at all the games that are coming out for new for current gen and last gen, they are mm-hmm. significantly held back because the game that's has true. to be made to run on the, on the previous generation. Of that's true. And that's why... I'll like, also say... As much as I am afraid of it being just Madden gameplay with with EA college football regalia, which is what a lot of people are saying when they say a Madden reskin, not necessarily that everything's going to look the same. It's just that it's going to be Madden gameplay. Uh, They have said a lot of their time has been spent on making sure that colleges actually play like colleges and that they're making... 134 different playbooks and styles of offenses and trying to actually create a collegiate offense experience and a collegiate defense experience. Sounds like they're saying the right things with that. Again, I don't trust them. (laughs) So yeah. Is sign stealing included? Can I fly a P eight over uh for a fly, well, uh, I said 134. They actually, I think they said 133. And then if you're playing as the team up north, you get a combination of everyone else's playbooks. <laughs> so I, I mentioned $600 per player. That's actually just the baseline. If you if you are mm-hmm. a cover athlete, you'll be able eligible for more. If you're doing other promos, you'll be eligible Hopefully for more money as well. Obvious. Um, fourth string, uh, fourth string left guard isn't going to be making us just as much as the cover athlete. Right. Uh, 
what I what you need to keep an eye out for is there's going to be a full reveal of everything in the game. There's already some trailers out for sure. You know, every team has has made their announcement, which is is mm-hmm. funny the timing because they're making them in this, these announcements in mid February. We're in, and you know those March Madness announcements are just around the corner too. But everybody's pumped about being in this game. All the schools, you can go onto the Xbox Store or the PlayStation Store and see it. Add it to your wish list. You'll get an alert whenever it's ready for pre order. But for right now, all we've got we've got hope. I we've have to hope say, this movie what it used to be. Please don't pre order this game. Yes, that's step one for me. I am not pre ordering this game. I don't care what incentives they throw at me. I refuse because a first of all, the only incentives they're going to throw out are some ultimate team bullshit in the first place, which I'm not playing some collegiate ultimate team ripoff. Second of all. Every single fucking time, EA disappoints us with something. If we can wait until the game is out and they prove that it's decent, and then commit dollars to it, maybe that will actually, you know, make a positive impact. I'm just... I also get that I want to play it immediately. I want to play it right now. So yeah. why wait the extra week for some reviews? But, oh, man. Speaking of playing right now, I don't know when I'm going to start. It is going to be in the near future. If you've been on our Discord at all, I recently purchased Bill Walsh College Football, the OG college football game for the Sega Genesis. Okay. Went out and got some equipment to make sure I can stream it. I am planning to make some content with it, either live on our Twitch or our YouTube. It'll be up. Get ready for it. I've got to figure out exactly what I want to do. Part of me is like, man, you know what? I'll just plug it in and start playing one day, and we'll figure it out live. And the other part of me kind of wants to polish it up. So we'll see exactly what happens here. I'm excited for this, truly. I vaguely have some fuzzy memories of that game. And I remember just being so enamored with it that I didn't care if the graphics were dog shit. So... (laughs) Sure hopefully it looks a little. Hopefully it looks a little bit better. I got an HDMI converter for the for the Genesis, so maybe it'll clean it up a little bit. I doubt it. I have an HDMI converter for my PlayStation Two that didn't do anything for me in terms of quality. That's fair. I just love being able to play old PS2 games. Uh, who does? Which is where NCAA used to thrive in both football. Basketball, fucking the NCAA baseball games were fire. I never played them. I never played Dude. them. Everybody that talked was... about how awesome they were, and then by the time I was ready to finally sink my teeth into one, they stopped making them. Yeah, they only made like two years worth of them or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh man, I don't think there's any chance that college basketball or college baseball comes back. Just with the having to pay every player like they do now. I don't see there being enough of an audience for a basketball game, a collegiate basketball game for them to actually make that. They, they might show a little bit of interest in it though. Honestly, I guess it does in part depend on how well college football does for them. Yeah. Right. If it is. Now I will say a sizable market. Then maybe I will say there's there's two aspects to this, right? 
if you do college basketball, you might be able to get every D1 team in there, which is much larger than what they're going to have in college football. But even if you add all the mid-major schools, probably still less players that you're handing 600 bucks out to a piece. I agree, but also you have to consider there are literally over 300 D1 schools in college basketball. So to get all those arenas in the game and get all those alternate uniforms in the game, get all those bands in the game, it's going to take so much more. Like, I just, man, I don't see that happening. (laughs) Gotta be real. Who knows? Who knows? I think that's just about it for today, though. We'll be back. We'll be back this time next week, right? Same time next week, roughly. Think yeah. about it. Starting, <laughs> starting that that uh, NFL draft preview look. Talk some some NFL combine results since we'll have all that stuff in for us here too. Yeah, and we got to start talking some UFL stuff too because we're about to get some non NFL professional football. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. In the very near future. Not just NFL, by the way. We're not really an IFL or an AFL podcast, but it may be worth bringing some stuff up. I don't know. I mean, Kurt Warner did come from the IFL, if I remember correctly. Well, he wasn't even in the AFL. It was Barnstormers. Yeah, baby. Which still exists as a franchise. Uh, I don't don't think they're legally allowed to ever not exist, thanks to Kurt Warner. (laughs) Right. But since Tug isn't here, and this is, I gotta, I gotta, you know, raise my hand here. We were gonna go yesterday, and I said, but I thought, I thought we agreed on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Come back in a second, okay? <laughs> yeah, go back. I'll, I'll be, I'll be in a second. I said I thought we'd agreed on Thursdays, uh, and then he got called into work yep. from this Thursday through next Thursday. So you know, my my bad. <laughs> That's why there's only two of us instead of three. So I'll, I'll read out the links. You can check us out and support support us by going to patreon.com backslash football, Or you can catch the streams live on Twitch. Or you can watch the VODs at twitch.tv backslash trenches, all one word. Head on over to Twitter or X, whatever tickles your fancy. X.com backslash football or at football there. Facebook.com backslash football, Instagram.com backslash underscore football bdtfootball.com you can mail in questions prior to the show at mailbox at bdtfootball.com you can also catch the show live or watch videos at youtube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches hop into our discord discord.gg backslash 9g capital x 3pt capital g 36 capital e because tug will never read it out damn Come hang out with us, get your college football fix, and of course, your UFL fix as well. I can promise that we're going to be all over that. And like Doug Doug said, I I think I'm willing to to dip my toe into that IFL and AFL action because the FCF uh, has decided that maybe playing football existing is not playing football is too hard for them. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, in honor of of Leap Day, I mean, we we didn't even mention that it was Leap Day to start. I know. Uh, but first I want to say, you know, happy 16th birthday to anybody that was born, uh, you know, 54 years ago <laughs> or six, 64 <laughs> years ago. I don't know. Matt Who knows. Congrats on finally turning 16. Uh, and what month 
is really huge. Um, oh, gosh. Um, mammoth. That sucks as a pun because <laughs> mammoth doesn't even really sound too much like month. Yeah, I had to. I, I was trying to make it sound more like month. I'm not going to lie to you there. Yeah, but it, it's not. It's not the worst pun. It's not. It's, it's not the worst I've heard. <laughs> but it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> all right, man. I guess that's all we got. So. Let's skedaddle. That's the best best we're going to do. So ain't doing tugs we're, not, we're not doing, okay, we're not doing tugs thing. Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> See y'all next week.